Welcome to the Fluent English Pro Podcast, the ultimate resource for professionals looking to improve their English skills. If you have an intermediate to advanced level of English and you want to improve or experience a lack of time and practice opportunities, we're here to help. Every week, you'll have a new episode that addresses your specific English language needs, providing tips and insights to help you excel in business meetings, negotiate contracts, deliver impactful presentations, or engage in casual conversations with international colleagues. Don't let the lack of time and practice hold you back. Tune in and unlock your full potential as a fluent English speaker. Do you feel nervous or anxious when you have to speak in English? Whenever you have to do a presentation, how do you feel about your English skills? How do you feel about your overall communication skills? Because it is a common situation in, in our listeners and clients that even though they speak English and they know they have good English skills, whenever they have to do a presentation for work or for school or for university, they feel so nervous and they do not feel confident about their capacity to, to express ideas in, in English, you know. But that situation can be fixed. You do not have to experience all this anxiety and all this nervousness and all this stress every time you need to speak English. There are tools for that. And today we are going to be speaking about those tools. Mainly breath work. Different strategies, different ways in which you can use your breathing to give your body signals to relax, to calm down, so you can feel more confident, more relaxed, so you can have more mental clarity and better memory and retention. For this topic, we have an expert. His name is Ramond Phipps. Ramond is an expert in breathwork. He teaches different types of publics, breathwork tools to manage stress, anxiety, fear, and this range of emotions. Ramond, is a, he has a background in mental health and addictions counseling. He has worked with a wide series of publics from first responders to everyday professionals. And uh, he is going to give us very useful tips and amazingly useful tools and strategies that we can implement now because they are very easy to implement. You just have to be consistent. Just a few minutes of your time and you can start doing this in your everyday life or you can start doing this before your presentations and it's going to make your communication in English so much easier. So, without further ado, here goes our conversation with Ramon Phipps. Please listen to the whole thing because there is a lot of valuable information. Plus, there is going to be guided breathwork exercises for you in the show notes. So, let's listen up. Ramon Phipps, thank you very much for being here with us at the Fluent English Pro podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. 
All right. Uh, I am really ha glad to have you here, Ramon, because you are going to help us manage a very complicated situation for people who are learning English. And that is feeling nervous or feeling anxious when you speak a second language. When you speak your own language in public, that is already a situation that will put you on the spotlight and make you nervous. So doing the same thing in a foreign or a second language might be a little bit more complicated. But before we jump into that, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Because I think that's key for listeners to understand where this conversation is going. Yes. So my name is Ramon Phipps. I'm based here in Toronto, Canada. Um, as a general profession, I work in the mental health and addiction sectors. Um, I've done quite amazing things in my career so far. And uh, what I really want to be able to tell is a story of breathwork and how that transformed my life and how I've seen it transform hundreds upon thousands of clients that I've served. In the mental health and addiction space, I've done everything from clinical counseling to program development for communities, to healthcare service development, to crisis response programs for our cities. And each and every program that I have developed, I've always instilled some incorporation of mindfulness practices because when we're talking about dealing with our own health from a holistic perspective, it's very important to learn self-reliant coping techniques to be able to manage stresses and anxieties in our life in order to proceed on to the next success. Whether that's success be relapse prevention, maybe you're trying not to indulge in your urges, or of course, managing anxiety right before the next job interview so you can have a little bit of social mobility. Learning that self-reliant coping technique is so important because it allows us to take control in our life. And I think that's overall what everybody wants. They want to feel like they're in control so they don't say something out of hand or stupid and then they feel like an idiot afterwards and they're playing that conversation over and over in their head throughout the day. It's just about getting us into a mindful awareness so that we can actually be who we want to be in the present moment. And as a breathwork facilitator, that's what I enjoy doing the most. I love working with clients. I like working with staff and teams. I like working with the general population, no matter where you come, religion, creed, or background, in order to help you find your relationship with this personal self-reliance technique in breathwork. Great. I really like that. Uh, and I really appreciate that we have gone through that shift from using healthcare or like having a, a well-being mindset only when we got sick to now implementing everyday healthcare and well-being routines and practices and tools into our daily lives to both manage everyday situations and prevent potential uh, illness in the future. Exactly. And, you know, if you've ever been through this whole COVID experience, which I'm sure the entire world has in Canada over the last three years, we some workers got assigned this particular label called essential workers. And maybe you'll find these workers in the service based industry. Like they were bus drivers, they were healthcare practitioners, or people who could not afford to take the time off. And the amount of accumulated stress that people in this profession they have actually developed for themselves is something that's still a lived experience for them. And not just because COVID is something of yesterday doesn't mean that the stresses aren't still following us today. And when I work with workers, it's about really understanding that personal perspective of although we have to go to our nine to five, although we have to be practicing professionals, at the end of the day, we are just human. And trying to avoid things like compassion fatigue, 
or burnout, especially in regard to our job roles, is hard to do. So that's why I love working with the, our, our essential workers to be able to actually offer attention and care to the people to, that actually help our societies stay structured and stable. Yeah, people who keep things working. Moving a little bit back to like the core topic of this conversation, you are an expert in breath work, but a lot of our listeners may not know or may not be very familiar with what breath work is and how it brings a positive impact to our well-being. So can you tell us a little bit about that, what breath work is and how it brings transformation to our lives? In its general history, and I'll just start off with a very quick history of it, breath work is an ancient yogic practice, meaning that if you think about yoga and all of its emphasis on wellness, spirituality, and self-actualization, breathwork has existed for thousands upon thousands of years. And even before that, the reason why I say that is because breathwork is a common function of the body. You can think of breathwork very similar to walking. We can walk, But when we start to run, we're getting exercise in. Breathwork is very similar. We breathe each and every moment of the day. But when we start to incorporate what's called intentional breathing into this practice of taking an inhale and taking an exhale, then we are practicing breathwork. And what breathwork is, it is a conscious intention to control our breath in order to change the physiology of our body to better affect our cognitive performance and even redirect it to where we want to go. So when we look at breathwork, one of the most common types of practice is what's called pranayama practice. And in, in its clear translation, it is just intentional breathing. But when we practice pranayama, we're allowing ourselves to really focus on two cycles of the breath related to the hold and the extended exhales, the hold and the extended exhales. The reason why we do this from a psych uh, scientific perspective is to allow our nervous system, both our central nervous system and our autonomic nervous system to simply chill out, to calm itself down so that we can suit our next purpose that we are trying to model ourselves to fit. Thank you so much, Ramon. So for those listening, it's a great tool. It's a great tool. It will help you bring your levels of stress, of anxiety, of nervousness down. Of course, it requires a constant practice, right? It's not like you do it one day and that's it. It's a constant practice. I've practiced it in the past and I can tell it does bring a lot of, of change, very positive change. For a person who would like to start managing their anxiety and stress levels and they want to start practicing breath work, what will be like the first or the key advice for a newbie in this area? I always like to say start simple and end simple. My practice of breath work and the way that I choose to teach this to the clients that I serve is not about teaching the most advanced techniques. Again, there's so many different types of breath work. You might have heard of the Wim Hof style where it's about plunging yourself in cold water and then bringing your overall stress hormones down. You might have heard of psychodynamic breathing techniques or holotropic breathing techniques in which they can really create these almost DMT cycle psychedelic-like states 
I like to start a little bit simple because all of that is not for everybody. And when we're talking about a practice in our daily life, especially to use as a tool, maybe you don't want to be having this psychedelic trip before you walk into your next job interview, or you have to go to work, or you're trying to just calm yourself down before your next date. Maybe you just want to find a way to relax. So when we are starting off with breathwork, a very simple way to approach this is to find guided meditations or guided breathwork activities. And there are thousands of resources on something like YouTube, Spotify, even. I even have my own content that's there on YouTube at iBreatheRP. And when you start simple, it's not about learning about a thousand and one different ways to breathe. For example, alternate nostril breathing. You don't need to do all of that stuff. All of that is is, is added layers on top of the cake. I like to use a very simple technique called box breathing, which is four second inhale, four second hold, four seconds exhale, four second hold, and you repeat that at least three to four times over the course of five to 10 minutes. Box breathing is a technique that's actually used within emergency services here in North America. So we're talking fire, police, EMTs, even combat veterans will utilize this and active military members will utilize this. And the reason why box breathing is utilized in first responder lines of work is because it's simple to remember and it's simple to access. That 4444 mechanism, imagine being in a very stressful situation where you have to save somebody's life or you have to make a split second decision. Oftentimes, you're not going to worry or remember a lot of these advanced breathing techniques that you might have learned from your run-in-the-mill yoga class. Oftentimes, you need to settle on something much more simple so that it becomes much more of a habit for you to be able to access when you need it most. So the 444 technique is a very small but simple technique that, again, I have available in my general content. And a good place to start is with that simple breathing so that you can learn how your body reacts to these inhales and exhales. And when the moment calls for it, when the moment really calls for it, you're going to be able to remember that to the back of your memory recall to be able to access it so that you can actually use it as a skill in your stress management. Ramon, just to confirm, you have a series of guided breathwork exercises on your YouTube channel that people can access for free. Is that correct? Dozens of videos available for access. Yes. Amazing. So uh, we are going to be adding a link to your YouTube channel in the show notes for those listening. So you can go and and do some of these guided breathwork exercises. When you are a newbie to this kind of exercises, Ramon, sometimes you come with a few preconceptions or ideas that sometimes are right, but sometimes are wrong. Yes. For example, in my case, I used to think that mine had to be absolutely blank. And if there were thoughts in my mind, I was doing it wrong. So I, I now I, I'm aware that it's a misconception. What are some common misconceptions about breathwork that you often come across? And how can we dispel those so people can access this tool more easily? Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll actually speak about three. One of the ones you already mentioned. But the first one I'll start off with is it's, <laughs> it's a whole bunch of hooey-dooey mysticism. And um, the reason why I bring that point out is because a lot of us have cultural belief patterns. You may be religiously aligned with something. We may have come from a cultural background in which there are different coping mechanisms that we're more prone to using. However, with breathwork, you can take away the mysticism out of it. It's not supposed to only be your spiritual journey where you can find this sense of amazing, blissful empathy and connection with the universe and through it, find yourself. 
That's not the only function of breathwork. However, you can utilize breathwork in order to have that type of practice in your life. But when you look at breathwork just in its science, whether you like it or not, and this is a common misconception as well, it is going to work within your body. Your body relies on oxygen. You're always going to be breathing 24 hours a day until the day that you're not. And if that's the case, you cannot say that breathwork does not work for you. The reason being is because when we look at the physiological components of what goes into intentional breathing practices, I talked about those two nervous systems, the autonomic nervous system, which is responsible for your fight light or freeze and fawn mechanisms, meaning your defense mechanisms to stresses in your environment, or your parasympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for your body's ability to practice and achieve rest. When you look at that, all of that is stimulated just from breathing. Sure, yes, there are 101 different medications you can pop into your body from benzodiazepine to psychotropics that can have these different effects against your will. However, if you want control over how your nervous system influences your thoughts and influences your actions, then you can allow yourself to see that the breath, free to everybody, easily accessible to everybody, is a tool that can be utilized. And again, whether you believe that it works for you or not, your body will tell you the true story. Your body is going to tell you that this oxygen, oh, it's good for me. This exhalation, oh, that calmed me down. And even think about your most stressful moments. You know, when you're walking into a stressful room or you just exited a stressful conversation, what's the first thing that you do? You usually take a deep breath. We're already doing breath work in our daily life. All we're doing is drawing a bit more of understanding to how we're actually utilizing this tool towards our greater self. I really like what you're explaining right now, Ramon, because sometimes how we feel projects outwards in our bodies. You know, when we're nervous, for example, we have this shallow breathing, but it also works in reverse. If we control that shallow breathing and we make it deeper and controlled and, and we are aware of it, that sends a signal inwards into the body that will help you calm down and relax. Yeah. And can I actually speak to that shallow breathing? That's misconception number three I want to point out. Breathwork is just hyperventilating. <laughs> shallow breathing, taking the pocket breaths with your chest. It is. It, it really and truly, a lot of different breathwork practices, not all of them, but a lot of them is about creating hyperventilated states within your body. And when I perform breathwork with, let's just say, a clientele that's based around helping them uh, process through their trauma, their mental turmoil that lives in the past, but still exists within their present. A lot of times, even anxiety, a lot of times I choose to allow them to have a safe space to hyperventilate, which is going to forcefully press your stress hormones forward. Cortisol, adrenaline, norepinephrine, these things start to boil themselves within your body because you're in this hyperventilated state. But then when you apply this intentional breathing technique into this hyperventilated state that you created from your own free will, then we actually what's called cognitively reframe our mind towards how this stress is something that we actually do have control over. So we put ourselves in stress in order to calm ourselves down so that in the future, when we are stressed over something in our environment that reminds us of our anxieties or our pains of the past against our will, then we are able to do the same. Again, rely on the same practice to calm ourselves down. Great. Uh, just, just a side note, it might sound silly, but I do think it's important to bring this up is 
is there like a body position you should have at the moment of doing this work? Because I have done holotropic breathing in the past and I had to lay down on the floor. I don't think it's a good idea to do it standing. So like, are, are there appropriate positions for this kind of exercise? There are definitely, and that's a key phrase, there are more appropriate positions for particular exercises. As you mentioned, for a more advanced practice, such as holotropic breathing, the ones that are going to be putting you into psychedelic states to the point where you might not be able to walk or have a steady gait, you're going to want to lay down for something that much more intense. Or for something as similar, as simple as box breathing, for example, that 4444 box that breathing, you can do that while you drive, you can do that while you're standing. I actually like to do it while I'm walking towards my next presentation or my next meeting with somebody. I just practice that breathing technique. And um, because it's not that labor intensive on the body in comparison to other breathing techniques. But in terms of a general position, yes, there is something more appropriate in terms of the alignment that we want to have throughout our torso, which is essentially your head being over your heart and your heart being over your pelvis in perfect alignment. Sitting up straight with your back straight can allow you to achieve this. Laying down horizontally will allow you to achieve this as well. And of course, there are other techniques that you can utilize, but all you're really trying to do is create a conducive environment and structure within your torso for your body to easily and most effectively take in the greatest capacity of air and let it out. In different um, positions that we commonly find ourselves in, for example, we're sitting slunched over, you're not actually taking in as much air as your body would normally allow because we are compressing our diaphragm and we're slunched over. You know, you're at a computer typing and things like that. So when you start to actually open up and expand, sit with a straight back, lay with a straight back, you allow more air to come in, creating a more effective practice for yourself. All this is very interesting. So uh, we have dispelled one, one of the common misconceptions about breath work, which is a slow, deep exercise. It can also be a fast exercise and there are like many variations. You, like, you don't have to sit down and stay still for one hour to do it. Like you can do it while you're working towards a presentation, as you mentioned. So um, part of this, and, and, and I want to focus this, for example, on people who have busy lives, professionals who have busy lives, and they might think, okay, I have to sit down for uh, one hour every day. Uh, like clear my mind and, and uh, breathe slowly for now. How can we incorporate these kind of exercises into our daily lives? I'd like as busy professionals. Yeah, I'm glad that you asked that. Yes. So I myself, you know, I'm a busy professional and I've coached, trained, work with and been the direct port to busy professionals, you know, managers, uh, mid-level senior managers as well too. And life does not get more simple just because you can incorporate breathwork into your daily activities. When you're a busy professional and you have a very active schedule, a big piece of breathwork becoming effective in your life is knowing when to apply it and actually committing to the application of this practice. Because you can look at breathwork as a tool that you can utilize towards coping, meaning you chill yourself out, calm yourself down. Or you can also look at it as a practice, similar to when you wake up every day and you choose to brush your teeth or you choose to, you know, spray your body spray on you. These are habits that we form in our life so that we don't walk out of our door with a smelly mouth or a smelly BO coming off of us. Breathwork is a similar um, topic in itself where we can allow ourselves to 
incorporate this in small pockets of the day. And the good thing about breathwork is as long as you can give anywhere between three to five minutes per day, that can be good enough because now you're building habit and routine. And remember, the main piece here is for when you need that skill the most, when you need that sense of self-control the most, this habit and routine will allow you to access it much more effectively when that time may come for you. So what I like to do when I'm working with uh, different types of professionals that live busy lives is I like to do an activity where we carve out a piece of the day. And that's just the start. When we carve out a piece of the day, we're identifying mentally, when can my day be the most stressful? And it's not because this is when I expect to have the most meetings from nine to five, or this is when I, um, I'm going on my lunch break, or this is when the day's about to end and I know that people usually are always on top of me right before the day's end. It's not really about that. I want you to think about when are you going to be stressed the most to the point where it negatively impacts other areas of your life. And if that be just at the start of the morning before you start your workday, it can be that. But sometimes it might actually be right before you walk into your front doors when you get home after a long day of work. A lot of people don't take into account how the accumulated stress from your long workday before you go home, it can still be bottled up and then forcefully uh, put on the other people that don't deserve your stress, like your family, your friends, your wife, your husband, your kids. These things in themselves are easily avoidable if we bring our conscious recognition to, you know what? My workday is usually always stressful. I might not always have the time, but I'm going to take five minutes before I walk into my home in order to just decompress so that I can be more present and clear for my family. Find that time, find that five minutes where it matters the most for you to be clear and calm and start to incorporate the practice into there the same way as we brush our teeth. Even if you don't necessarily need it that day, make it a practice so that that habit becomes a skill. And that's the main piece there. Amazing. Yeah. And I will add as a beginner that you might want to try this with a guided exercise, right? Sometimes we try to do it on our own when you're just getting started or you're just learning, but you lose track of, of the process. So I think a guided YouTube video or an audio will help a lot in, in keeping you focused during those three to five minutes. Agreed. Like, like a guided meditation or breathwork activity is definitely a great way for you to commit and also have a facilitator present to guide you, especially if you don't know what you're doing or you're overwhelmed at trying to commit to this practice. And of course, if you want to take it up or not, then there are live facilitator options that are available to you. There's a couple of companies that I personally work with here in Canada where they have softwares dedicated to live facilitation, but I also practice this myself in which I allow the clients I serve to have open access to myself for life facilitation opportunities where we can connect because there's nothing greater than a human connection. Even if we might not be face to face, I can see how you're breathing. I can adjust the overall strategy and methodology based on how you are actually experiencing this breath practice in that particular moment, which is a great added value that you normally don't get from pre-recorded sessions. But still, pre-recorded sessions are great for the cultivation of your practice. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I do think those are great tools. It takes time sometimes like to find the right one, but those are great, absolutely great tools. Ramon, now I would like to go into a very specific topic, which I'm sure our listeners are, are, are expecting to hear is 
uh, we have an idea of what breathwork is, some techniques, strategies, uh, misconceptions. How can we implement this in the particular case of people who need to use English as a foreign or as a second language? And for them, it's a challenge. As I was saying early on, if you have to speak in public in your native language, it's already hard. But now if you have to do that same thing in a foreign language, it's even harder. And some people, and this happens to, to, to my clients a lot, Ramon, it, it is, they're professionals who have very high levels of English. They have a lot of experience. They have like a very good knowledge of the subject matter. But whenever they have to do a presentation to an English speaking audience, they freak out and they get so nervous and they feel so insecure. So what could be some exercises that people who have to do a presentation or take a class or, or give a conference or a keynote in, in a foreign language, what can they implement to control their nervousness and feel more confident? Yes, yeah, so there's one very specific tool that I have that's actually something that I personally even utilize in the moment. But before I even talk about that, it's very important to know why and how anxiety affects us in regard to uh, trying to communicate, whether you're using a second language or not, but this is primary to uh, using that second language or having to speak in a second language different from your native tongue. Uh, in Canada here, we grow up technically bilingual, uh, where we go through the French uh, schooling system or we learn French in our schooling system. So it's something that's always been a part of our lives. Most kids don't keep it up past about the 10th grade where you don't have to take it as a mandatory requirement in your course structure anymore. And there's a lot of reason for that. I think about myself back in my formative days, trying to learn a second language in French. And oftentimes, a lot of the reason why I couldn't learn it as effectively as I can right now is because I was so afraid of the outcome of me trying to speak or write French. I would go in front of a class trying to present a French speaking paper, and I would be jumbling all over my words, and I couldn't remember the next word at all. That would be super scary for me. And then I thought about what that means in, in the implication of how people would perceive me. I'd feel this sense of embarrassment. And then the test score that I would get at the end of the day, which won't be the greatest grade, effectively affecting all of my grades. Now, we tend to catastrophize a lot in our spiral thinking patterns. We start to think about the worst case scenario. And really and truly, that's the first step that we take towards overcoming any and all anxieties. Recognize what the fear is. Don't just try to be stoic and indomitable in the face of it. Allow yourself to see that true bravery is not the absence of courage. It's practicing courage even when we feel that fear. And now when we're able to see this in our mind that, yeah, some stuff in life is going to be scary, such as presenting in front of other people in a language that's not native to my own. Then we want to utilize not only breath work, but specific stress management techniques to understand what we're doing within our body. When you practice breath work alone and you calm your nervous system, you allow yourself to build what's called more mental clarity. And mental clarity means that your thoughts go from being jarbled and jumbled 
to becoming much more organized and consistent, meaning that I can see what the next thing I want to say, think, or feel is much more clearly. And this can come from minimal to extended breathwork practices, such as a 444 box breathing that I communicated earlier. If you take five minutes before the presentation and you go through a cycle like that, then you'll be much more calm and clear to have greater mental clarity. But what are we actually achieving with mental clarity? With mental clarity, we're allowing ourselves to have greater memory recall. And memory recall is everything that you've learned in your life, including different languages, that you'll now be able to access much more easily. Instead of having to fight through all the jumbled thoughts in your mind, because of that organization and clarity, you're now able to see that this is the next word, this is the next phrase, this is the next sentence that I am trying to communicate. But you may also find yourself in the midst of your presentation, your keynote, your talk, actually getting much more anxious. And even that is okay because that's going to happen. Sometimes you get into the groove of things and you can just keep it going. That's great. But if you come to find that you are getting anxious in the middle of your talk, then you want to utilize one specific fashion of breathwork, which is the extended breathing pattern while you're actually speaking. Because you got to speak when you breathe anyhow. But the cool thing about this is the extended exhalation piece of breath work is actually where the deepest and quickest stimulation for your parasympathetic nervous system takes place. So usually when I'm in a talk and I find myself getting a little bit anxious and I'm there, there rambling and saying so much things, sometimes I just take a quick moment in the middle of the talk, allow for space because sometimes space and silence is good for the audience to take in information. Use that creatively and just take a deep exhale for about five seconds. No one knows that I'm doing this, but people just think I'm actually breathing. And I'm not even going through the inhale, hold, and exhale. I'm just taking a exhale. I could do it through my mouth so it's more inconspicuous as well. So Sorry, through my nose so it's more inconspicuous as well. But all I'm doing is I'm just breathing out because automatically when I'm doing that, my heart rate's starting to slow down. Again, that exhalation piece is where you actually start to impact your nervous systems the most. And my heart rate starts to slow down. If I can do that three times in succession, then all it took was about two to three seconds, but already my state of anxiety has gone down drastically because I just forcefully slowed down my heart rate. And it might be for a moment, but this is a scale I can reaccess over and over again in the midst of my talk, whether it's 15, 20, 30 minutes to an hour long. Exhaling much more intentionally. Great. This is gold, Ramon. Because this is something I think as, as, as English teachers is my case, we should implement in every single class and like we should teach every single person. So just to recap a bit, before your presentation, before your class, before whatever you have to do, when you have to put yourself in front of that audience and you have to speak English, do the box breathing. For, for how long you take, like three to five minutes is okay. Do the box breathing. I really, I really like that you point out that it helps to mental clarity and memory. Because sometimes we're like, oh my God, I'm going to get so nervous. And like thinking about being nervous makes you more nervous. And you think, oh my God, I'm going to forget everything. So I really like that. Like mental clarity and memory. Those are key words here. And also, I didn't know that you could do this during a presentation. And this is so valuable, Ramon, because sometimes you start cool, but then something happens, a question comes up, Maybe you forget a, a, a number and you freak out a bit. So I think this is very useful to have that tool 
extended breathing pattern so we can keep control. And I just want to speak to one more quick piece. Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, sometimes you receive a question because I feel like sometimes we can make it through a presentation or a talk or a keynote very easily, well, easily enough. And then it's a question and answer period. And then that's where a lot of us tend to get stumped as well, because we think we're done and then we got to re-engage. So actually with that question piece, one thing I just want to remind many of the viewers is that it's very important to listen to questions without the intent to respond. When you're already building your response in your mind as somebody is asking you a question, first and foremost, you're not listening. Secondly, you're allowing a lot of jumbled thoughts to come in your mind. But when you listen before you respond, then even in that moment, you can practice that extended breathing as I'm hearing this question. And I allow myself to actually calm down, relax, organize my thoughts before I say something. You don't have to just respond right away. It doesn't make you look smarter. It doesn't make you look more clever or quicker or anything like that. You want your thoughts and your communication to be as organized as possible, especially when speaking in a language that is second to your own native tongue. And allowing yourself to listen clearly before you respond, meaning that you're not thinking of your next answer is gonna only help your thought pattern. Listen to understand, not listen to respond. That's that's what they call that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think curiosity also is a very important part of it. But yeah, thank you for bringing that up because yeah, sometimes that that anxiety state makes us like want to get rid of the question as soon as possible, answer as quickly as possible. But yeah, I think that's a great approach. Like calm down, be mindful about what the person is asking, and be mindful about your breathing and process the question that way. And build connections while you're actually speaking with other people, right? And that's one great way to do it, just by listening, to build understanding, as you said. Ramon, uh, I think we're, we're getting to the end of our, of our interview here, but I'm sure you can direct our listeners to tools they can start implementing right now in their lives, before their classes, before the presentations, so they can have, of course, a better process in the terms of learning a, a language or doing a presentation in English, but also in their everyday life will be practices. So can you point us to a few resources? I know your, your YouTube channel is going to absolutely be a go-to place for us. So can you give us some resources to practice and improve our breathwork exercises? Yes. So there is, um, of course, as I mentioned, not only my YouTube channel, I like to, of course, shout out the general community when it comes to breathwork. There are many different resources out there aside from my own, but I also do have a website in which you can access me directly in order to have one-to-one -one coaching in regard to your breath activities. And the great thing about breathwork, especially when I um, have these private sessions with people, it doesn't just have to be an activity that's focused on building your stress reduction skills, your mental clarity and the moment or anything like that. I've often facilitated sessions where there are date nights with you and your partner, or maybe you have a small group of people and you're looking for a great social outing. These are great ways for you to engage with each other in a very mindful way. So, you know, breathwork is not meant to just be this isolated, isolated experience where it's just about you and you alone. 
that's great. But I like to think of breathwork as a social experience because one, it's something that everybody does. And two, when it's social, then everyone feels a little bit better engaging in this. And of course, again, you could access my website at ibreathe.com in order to reach out to me. Now, in other tools and methodologies that we can go ahead and utilize, I do, of course, encourage reading on the topic and subject matter. matter. Um, John Kabat-Zinn is one of the greatest mindfulness influencers. You know, he coined mindfulness-based stress reduction. He has many books on this. And MSBR is a big term in the Western world in terms of mindfulness and wellness practices. So go ahead and search MSBR and you'll find some literature and readings in that regard. I always do recommend that the more that we know, the better our application will be. But these are two separate schools of learning that you're allowed to come together when you invest appropriate time into each one. Then, of course, you want to be able to promote this wellness activity in your life. Now, of course, it could be you cutting some time out of your day in order to practice because remember, practice creates a habit and that habit allows you to access that skill when you need it the most. So whether it's 30 minutes when you wake up on your lunch break, when your day's ending, before you go to sleep, cut out that time, that 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes to an hour, however long is appropriate for you in order to just cultivate that practice for yourself. Because you're not going to lose anything by breathing. You're not going to lose time. You're not going to lose money. You only gain better wellness for yourself. But also that social piece, incorporate it with other people as well. Grab your partner, say, hey, let's breathe for five minutes. Grab your kids because mindfulness is also for kids. There's this beautiful technique that we like to use with kids called the five finger breathing technique, where you learn how to trace the outline of your fingers. And of course, you combine mindful breathing along with that. Make it fun. Make it an activity for other people around you, because if you keep it as an isolated experience for yourself, then that's great. It's your skill to access. It's your tool to access. But a lot of the change that many people are trying to achieve with mindful practices such as breathwork is changing their lives in dynamic ways. And you can't change everyone around you. But imagine this. You share a breathwork technique, such as box breathing, such as five finger breathing, such as the psychology behind how breathing helps to calm your nerves. And you're able to impart that on your child before they go to work or school. Or you're able to impart that on your partner after they come home from a long, stressful day at work. Or you're able to impart that on your parents who always believe breathwork or mindfulness to be some hooey-dooey mysticism, but you're able to help them lower their blood pressure, find better calm in their life, just because everyone is breathing a tad bit better. That's what creates greater emphasis of wellness in your life for the people around you. And you're sharing a tool that can help change lives. And as a result, I promise you, you will continue to change yourself. Thank you so much, Ramon. And, th and thank you for bringing up that idea of, of not making it just like an, an individual habit, but like community thing. It's not just a way for you to feel better, but also to connect with others in a meaningful way. Thank you for that. Ramon, if people want to learn more about what you do and they want to find you and see your exercises and process, where can we find you? Oh, we have your website, which is ibreatherp.com. Is that correct? ibreatherp.com. We have your YouTube channel as well. What's the name of your YouTube channel? Yeah, so the cha cha same name. Channel tag is youtube.com slash at ibreatherp. RP, sorry. Great. So the links to... Uh, are there any other social media channels that you would like to mention, Ramond? Those are the primary two I would love to communicate to the viewers today. 
Great. So I'm going to be adding the link to Ramon's website and YouTube channel on the show notes for you to access and, and get to know uh, more about breathwork and about Ramon's work. Ramon, thank you so much uh, for taking time today and share all of your experience and all of these marvelous tools with your with our audience. And I'm sure it is going to help a lot for them to feel better, to incorporate this into their their uh, work life and their daily life and for their overall well-being. Yes. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak here today, David. I hope that your viewers are able to get something from our conversation, even if it be something small. I know that it can be a small seed that can blossom into something beautiful. So, you know, congratulations if you're able to pick up something from today's uh, discussion. And I hope that it helps you towards your wellness. Thank you very much, Ramon. And I will see you next time. Okay, you take care. Thank you for tuning in to the Fluent English Pro Podcast, your ultimate resource to enhance your English skills. Subscribe to our podcast to access new episodes and take your English skills to the next level. Feel free to contact us with any questions, suggestions, or specific topics you would like us to cover. Reach out at info at fluentenglishpro.com and visit fluentenglishpro.com for more resources. Until next time.